0: This is the Business Breakfast with Owanda.
1: Online trading, currency data, money transfers.
0: Greg Ollum joins us. Very good morning to you. Uh, the Prime Minister says he won't hesitate to impose more virus restrictions. You know, you have to ask the question, don't you, about the balancing act that we saw the, the, you know, the, the, the health officials coming on live yesterday and talking about it. I'm wondering if these people live in the real world. That's one question. Secondly, though, um, can the economy take another restrictive crackdown, do you think,
1: or lockdown? It's going to be really difficult we're going to have to see uh, a lot more support if that's going to be the case uh, and there's still going to be businesses whose whose model just is going to become unviable uh, as a result uh, if we do see more lockdown measures put in place uh, I think the real difficulty that we now have is not necessarily the measures that the government is announcing it's how seriously people are taking them because the government's view is changing on such a regular basis um, I think the the closing times of the, the of the pubs has become incredibly complicated controversial. controversial because of the number of people who were pouring out at 10 o'clock into the shops nearby, onto the transport, um, uh, is just another sign of the, the, the credibility that the government no longer has as far as the general public's concerned. And that's extremely dangerous because last time we had a lockdown, last time we had restrictions uh, early on in the pandemic, people took them extremely seriously. Uh, and, and I feel like the credibility issue is one of the reasons why, no matter what restrictions we seem to be seeing being put in place, people don't seem to be uh, taking them quite as seriously anymore. And ultimately, the government has to take responsibility for that? We head into October. It is October the 1st. The
0: Chancellor's warned that there's £23 billion in bad loans, um, uh, which have been lent to what he describes as unviable companies. Um, I guess there was a lot of companies taking money from that scheme that shouldn't have done but that's that's another story bottom line is the furlough scheme is winding down and it's going to get tougher and tougher presumably and we just again heard in the news a possible provision for 4 million unemployed i mean even with my limited arithmetic that's double the worst that it's been for some time
1: so uh, i think i think it's worth noting that the issue that we the government had going into this was they didn't have much time to plan as far as the provisions were concerned so it did have to take a broad brush approach to these support measures and that was ultimately always going to lead to companies borrowing money when it wasn't necessarily a, a, value, a viable loan. It was going to lead to some potential fraud which we've already seen reported um, and it's was always, always going to lead as well to companies effectively uh, like utilising a fellow scheme for staff that were never going to be long-term uh, employed. Uh, but this was always going to happen because the government didn't have time to tweak the system. It didn't have time to create a very complex um, a, a system that will target those just that need it, if had they done that, then the jobs would have been lost. businesses would have gone bust before they would have had a chance to implement it. so it was always uh, embarked on. With in the knowledge that it wasn't going to be perfect but it was going to do the job for now. So when you're seeing these stories it's not entirely surprising. Then you see the unemployment stories that come with it. Again, another story that's not entirely surprising. We've spoken about the fact that there's going to be near double digit uh, unemployment for some time despite the furlough. It would have been much higher uh, without it but that makes it all the more important now that these support measures continue to remain in place because it could be a lot higher uh, if we do see further lockdowns and we do see further restrictions and the government doesn't put that backstop in place to give companies confidence to retain their staff that's not to say that you always just throw money at the at the issue but if you're going to make a company's business models completely unviable and take away their trade overnight then something has to then, then, then there has to be something there in place which stops them making that normal business decision which is if i don't have football if i don't have people coming into my shop my restaurant my bar whatever it is uh then how do i retain staff Let me take you back to the the
0: so-called debate between the presidential um, candidates uh, on on Tuesday uh, in the United States. I mean, talk about... Heat and very little light. Well, I, I challenge you to find me one of those debates televised that's actually a, a, a f, a f affected the way that people actually vote. Yeah, I understand the business about Nixon sweating and all the rest of it, and and Kennedy appearing the youthful, you know, new light as far as the economy and the United States is concerned. Get all that, but actually, um, as we heard again in the news, that there are thoughts about re recasting how this actually happens because that was just it was just a brawl, wasn't it? Really. Did you get anything out of it at all?
1: No, nothing really. Uh, the, uh, I mean, I think we always have to remember that these debates usually are just uh, for the public to get a, to get more of an idea of the candidates, but that we don't typically learn anything that we don't ordinarily know. Uh, there was an interesting article in The Economist this week uh, about the impact of, uh, of of these debates on the polling numbers from two weeks before t- the first uh, debate to the two weeks after the last debate. It typically is very marginal, uh, and it usually has no impact pretty much at all, uh, and very rarely has any kind of significant impact, uh, and it's because we do we do already know these candidates. We're not going to learn anything from Donald Trump that we didn't know already. Uh, and the chance that we're not going to learn anything from Biden either. That was obviously hugely exacerbated by the fact that, as you say, it was a brawl. It was uh, it was very argumentative. It was very policy light. Uh, and that doesn't really help matters. Uh, it feels like um, kind of Biden was really dragged into um, to, to the, to Donald Trump's style of debating. We've obviously seen that from uh, Trump four years ago. And I don't think either candidate really came off it looking too particularly good. The only upside, if you are joe biden is that he went into that debate with a seven-point poll lead it was donald trump that was having to claw it back if both candidates lose here then you imagine that the polls won't have changed that much as a result so you could effectively declare almost biden victor by default but i mean is that really what we want to see from these things
0: let me take you to the oil price. Um, it's a messy market because it's very leaky and uh, there's OPEC and OPEC Plus and there are people outside it who... Uh, and, there's, and, you know, there are tankers um, floating around the world that we know about and all, all, the, all that sort of stuff. But nevertheless, the decline in the oil price does suggest, doesn't it, that, um, that there, there is a real concern about the way that the world economy, the global economy is going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We saw earlier this week that... Uh, seemingly, very little uh, moved the oil price quite a lot. It fell five percent earlier this week, and we—it was—you were almost at odds to explain what had actually been the catalyst. Normally, you see a market event, you see a piece of data, you see a comment from what, a various uh, OPEC official, usually the uh, Saudi Arabian energy minister that may have moved the market. Uh, but there wasn't really anything that uh, that came out that really moved this market. But yet, yeah, it did fall five percent, and it kind of showed the fragility that exists in the market. Ultimately, you have two increasingly important forces in this market. On the one hand, you have the the, the the kind of darkening economic outlook for the rest of the year because we are seeing rising cases uh, across Europe. We're seeing more restrictions being imposed uh, across Europe and particularly here in the UK. There's talks of lockdowns again, which obviously has a massive impact as far as demand is concerned, people being told to work from home. So that affects the demand outlook side of things. That's a massive downside risk as far as oil prices are concerned. On the flip side, like you have the Saudi Arabian Energy Minister uh, Abdulaziz bin ha- Salman, who's suggesting, effectively daring the markets to go short, uh, and suggesting that they will uh, they will suffer the pain if they if they do so. So effectively saying that the OPEC Plus is standing ready and waiting, and will cut production again and support these prices so kind of do go shut the market at your own peril type of threat uh, and that, that 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 that's putting a certain amount of floor in these markets whether that lasts if this pandemic does get much worse is another thing I think OPEC plus would have to stand up and actually make one of these announcements but it, it's interesting to see these two dynamics playing off against each other in the market right now.
0: Let's move from the wholesale oil markets to retail and petrol pumps and Asda uh, and uh, its possible takeover by the Issa brothers who own uh, a whole chain of petrol stations or rather fuel stations, um, bearing in mind that it's likely, if uh, as, as trends are to believe, that fewer of us will be actually filling up with carbon fuels and more with electricity. I would suggest this is going to be quite a transformation for the petrol station um, landscape. Um, not that anyone wants to sell them right now because they are prime pieces of property, however they're used, number one. But secondly, there are still garages that don't have any retail space on them. And there are also drivers that don't buy any fuel when they go into a garage and just use it as retail space. So this is this might be quite an interesting shift, might it not, in the way we, we shop for things
1: yeah, absolutely. the the, the brothers have uh, plenty of experience in this uh, kind of convenience space, and their ideas um, uh, are, are quite sensible. the The suggestion that yes, do you know what, people the 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 margins actually on petrol aren't actually that significant. So if you own one of these garages, the margins on things like coffee and on other food uh, goods is much higher than in the the larger uh, retail spaces, the the the, the Tescos etc. of this world. Uh, the larger retail spaces, the margins are much smaller. So you so the the idea that you can actually attract people to these places, whether they're getting petrol or not, is an interesting concept. Have a have a coffee chain within there, have a have a, an eatery in there, um, and and have all of these goods that people would maybe go to one of these larger convenience stores for, but it's actually a little bit closer, uh, and there's a lot more uh, on on offer. The uh, the suggestion that yes, do you know what people may stop going to the office quite so much, but that doesn't mean they're going to stop wanting face-to-face meetings. So if you create an environment that, where they can have these face-to-face meetings, and you also serve petrol. Uh, then that then that could be a different way to kind of view these four courts. So it is it is an interesting concept. But they are also looking at taking over a business that uh, that has not necessarily had a huge amount of success in the recent uh, in recent years. And that's a business that's owned by Walmart, an absolute giant as far as US yeah. retail is concerned. They haven't been able to turn around their fortunes. So you have to wonder what is it that these two brothers believe that they can do that Walmart was unsuccessful with. And finally, let me take
0: you back across the Atlantic to the United States and uh, jobs. So a a, a private industry report, yes, ADP report. We get the the weekly jobless figures today and then the big one tomorrow. We have very little progress, it seems, on the stimulus plan in the United States. So chucking all that mix in, what do you expect? What are you looking for with the jobless figures, particularly on Friday and how they relate to the U.S. economy?
1: So it's really difficult because we're still in this period after the the pandemic where the numbers are kind of hard to dissect. Um, Yeah. But the the important thing with this one is this is the final jobs report before that election, uh, so how how what what kind of numbers we see you can imagine it's going to be heavily uh, used as far as the campaigning is concerned. For me, the candidate Trump to suggest that the strong recovery that we've seen uh, is because of the way that they have run the, they have run uh, the the kind of post pandemic crisis or the pandemic crisis as, as it were, uh, and Joe Biden suggesting that the high unemployment is because of the Trump administration. So these these numbers on Friday could be quite important. Uh, but like I say, they are quite difficult to ultimately dissect. You obviously add that additional layers you've just alluded to, which is the fact that the the the, the support measures that were that, that that expired at the end of July. There's still no agreement. There are, there is talk now of a of a democratic bill of, of around two point two trillion. The potential for the for Republicans to offer something around the one point five trillion mark. So there, we are slowly moving forward. I'm just not convinced that we necessarily get this through before the election. But there is still a little bit of time. So I think that's the most important thing here because regardless of how good the jobs numbers look now uh, and how good the bounce back's been, unemployment is still above 8%. Um, sure. And if we don't get a, an, another stimulus bill, you, you imagine that that is going to creep even higher again. Craig Gillum, thank you very much indeed. The Business Breakfast on Jazz
0: FM with Owanda,
1: Online trading, currency data, money transfers.